This is Main Thing Radio with Pastor Robert Fountain of Calvary Chapel, Miami Beach. Join us as Pastor Robert teaches verse by verse through the book of Acts. lot of things that he wants to accomplish in and through your life and he's in no big rush you understand that he's his timing is perfect if if you feel like he's given you something he's given you a a vision he's given you something that, that he wants you to do don't assume that your timetable for doing it is his timetable because it may not be it may not be sometimes he puts something on our hearts and And then he begins preparing us. God has his own timetable. In today's message from Pastor Robert, he teaches us that our timing is not necessarily going to be God's timing. God has a lot he wants to accomplish through us, but he'll do it in his timing. We need to remember that his timing is always perfect and there's no need to be rushed. Stick around after today's message from Pastor Robert. I have quite a bit of information that I'd like to share with you. Our web address, podcast subscription information, and our contact information. Now here's Pastor Robert in the book of Acts, chapter 23, with today's message. Acts chapter 23. We're actually going to uh, be focusing on chapter 24, but we'll pick it up at verse 23 of chapter 23. Read through it and then come back and talk about it. Verse 23 of chapter 23 says, He called for two centurions, saying, Prepare 200 soldiers, 70 horsemen, and 200 spearmen to go to Caesarea at the third hour of the night and provide mounts to set Paul on and bring him safely to Felix the governor. Now, give me your attention. If you remember, we've been looking at this for the last several weeks as we've studied our way through the book of Acts. We got to the area there where, you know, Paul said, I've purposed in the spirit to go to Jerusalem. And after that, I'm going to go on to Rome. And he said, I don't know what's going to happen to me when I get there. But in every city, the spirit is testifying that chains and tribulations await me. And they did. As soon as Paul got to Jerusalem, all kinds of upheaval, they rioted as he's trying to share the gospel. You know, the Jewish people are attacking him and the leadership because, you know, a lot of the people were listening and actually coming to know Jesus Christ, a lot of the Jewish people. But the Jewish leadership typically caused problems for him. And then the Roman soldiers rescued him and took him into custody. And he's he's in the barracks there next to the temple at the Antonia Fortress. And But a plot was uncovered. Forty men took a vow that they were not going to eat or drink until they had killed Paul. So Paul's nephew heard about it and told him about it. And then they told the the uh, the commander of the garrison about it. And so now the commander of the garrison is making arrangements for Paul to be protected. 470 Roman troops to guard Paul and take him from Jerusalem to Caesarea, which was should have been a a day's journey, maybe possibly stretch it into two if they were moving slow, but they needed to get him there in a hurry. So they set out and they're rushing and and he writes a letter, we're told here in verse 25, 
in the following manner. And, and a footnote, I love the detail that we're given in Scripture. You know, we even have a copy of, of the letter, which tells us how closely Luke, who wrote the book of Acts, was involved with, with all of this. Verse 26, Claudius Lysias to the most excellent governor Felix. Greetings. This man was seized by the Jews and was about to be killed by them. Coming with the troops, I rescued him, having learned that he was a Roman. Now, that was stretching the truth a little bit. If you remember, he learned that Paul was a Roman after he rescued him. He was just trying to stop the riot. Verse 28, when I wanted to know the reason they accused him, I brought him before their council. I found out that he was accused concerning questions of their law but had nothing charged against him deserving of death or chains. And when it was told me that the Jews lay in wait for the man, I sent him immediately to you and also commanded his accusers to state before you the charges against him. Farewell. Brief and to the point. Good letter. Verse 31. Then the soldiers, as they were commanded, took Paul and brought him by night to Antipatris. The next day they left the horsemen to go on with him and returned to the barracks. In other words, the bulk of the the guards, once he was safe, they went back to Jerusalem because their primary duty was was to guard Jerusalem, to be there and, and, and maintain order in Jerusalem. So they went back, and Paul and the horsemen continued on. Verse 33 says, when they came to Caesarea and had delivered the letter to the governor, they also presented Paul to him. And when the governor had read it, he asked what province he was from. And when he understood that he was from Cilicia, he said, I'll hear you when your accusers also have come. And he commanded him to be kept in Herod's praetorium. Now, another footnote. Paul says, I've got to go to Jerusalem, and from there, on to Rome. And I'm sure he thought that was going to be a, a relatively quick thing, you know. He'd heard from God. He knew that the Lord wanted him to go to Jerusalem and then go on to Rome. That becomes clear in a couple of places. He didn't know all the details, but he knew some of them. Now, many times I've seen over the years, and, and, and I've experienced it in my own life, where maybe I, I know that the Lord wants me to do something, and, and, and I, I get a, a leading from the Lord to go here or to go there, to do this, to do that. I've had people tell me, I believe the Lord wants me to become a pastor. And they're thinking it's going to happen next week. You know, Often it takes time. Paul ended up staying in Caesarea for two years. I don't think he expected to be there two years. I think he expected he was going to Jerusalem. He was going to do the thing at the feast. Maybe he'd visit with some people. He'd do a few things, and, and then he'd, he'd head out toward Rome. But it didn't work out that way. It didn't work out that way. We, we always need to remember that, that God's timetable is the perfect one. We're in a hurry. He's patient. He's patient. He has a lot of things that he wants to accomplish in and through your life. And he's in no big rush. You understand that? He's, his timing is perfect. If, if you feel like he's given you something, he's given you a, a vision, he's given you something that, that he wants you to do, don't assume that your timetable for doing it is his timetable because it may not be. It may not be. Sometimes he puts something on our hearts and, and then he begins preparing us and working in us. And that preparation process sometimes takes longer than than we think it should, and sometimes involves things that we can't really see or understand why it would involve those things. You know, Paul is in prison, basically. He's under house arrest for two years. But as we'll see in just a minute, God had a very specific agenda in mind for the next two years for Paul. And some of it, I believe, was preparation for what he would do 
when he got to Rome. And I'll talk about that a little bit more in just a minute, too. Chapter 24, and we're going to just read through the chapter and then come back and talk about it. It says, After five days, Ananias, the high priest, came down with the elders and a certain orator named Tertullus. So here you've got the high priest himself. That's a big deal. The high priest himself makes the trip from Jerusalem to Caesarea to confront Paul before the governor. And it's such an important thing to him that he actually hires a lawyer. That's basically what we're talking about. Tertullus was a professional orator. He was an advocate. He was an attorney. You, You hired him to come and represent you before officials or in a court of law. And so Tertullus came and he says, these gave evidence to the governor against Paul. And when he was called upon, Tertullus began his accusation saying, seeing that through you, we enjoy great peace and prosperity is being brought to this nation by your foresight. We accept it always and in all places, most noble Felix, with all thankfulness. Nevertheless, not to be tedious to you any further, I beg you to hear by your courtesy a few words from us. Now, let me ask you something. What did that just sound like to you? Same thing it sounded like to Felix. The guy wasn't an idiot. It was just a bunch of baloney, a bunch of foolishness. It was just, you know, flowery words, right? He's just sucking up to him. That's what it boils down to. Everybody knew that the Jewish leadership hated the Roman rulers. The high priest would have been the big dog in Jerusalem, if not for the Roman rulers, the Roman governors. He he had tremendous power as it was, the high priest and, and the elders, the Sanhedrin. But for the fact that they were under Roman rule, the high priest would simply have sentenced Paul to death for heresy. Just take him out and stone him to death. He's broken the law. He's He's a heretic, and they, and and that's exactly what would have happened. But now they're having to submit to this. There's resentment. There's and Felix knew it. The interesting thing about Felix: see, Felix was not your typical Roman official. He wasn't your typical bureaucrat. He hadn't been born to privilege. He was actually born a slave. Felix was a slave. The way he had become governor was that his brother Paulus befriended Nero, the emperor. If I remember right. The way it worked was that the family, Paulus and Felix and his family, they were household slaves with the family of Nero. And Paulus, maybe, I don't know if they were close to the same age or what, but Paulus, Felix's brother, got to be friends with with Nero. And so they were freed and not only given citizenship as a favor from the emperor, but they were given positions. And so now Felix is governor in Judea. The Roman historian Tacitus said about Felix that he exercised the prerogatives of a king in the spirit of a slave. That's a scary thing. And that's what was going on here. There's much more to discover from the depths of God's Word. But sadly, that's all we have time for today on Main Thing Radio. In the meantime, Pastor Robert is here to share how you can access additional messages. I'm so glad you joined us today, and I'd like to invite you to subscribe to our podcast so that you never miss an edition of Main Thing Radio. Visit MainThingRadio.com and click on Podcast to link to our iTunes account or to download one of the many compatible mobile apps we have listed online. Never miss another edition and a chance to learn more from God's Word. Thanks, Pastor Robert. Before we end our time with you today, we'd like to ask you to consider partnering with us here at Main Thing Radio. 
Would you prayerfully consider financially supporting the ministry we have in this virtual mission field? Any amount is appreciated, and for donations of $20 or more, we have a special thank you gift to send you. This month's gift is Standing in Grace by David Guzik. Pastor David reminds us in this book that we're not only covered by grace when we accept Jesus as our Savior, but we also stand and live in all that grace has to give us. For more information or to contribute, please visit MainThingRadio.com and click on Donate at the top of the page. That's all for today, but join us again for another look at God's Word right here on Main Thing Radio.